right, so anyway, it's uh, glad to have you this morning, and uh, Barrett's going to be leading the class this morning, but I just wanted to welcome you, and uh, we praise God for everything that he's doing, and let's just open with prayer. Lord, we just praise you, and we give you the glory. Thank you, Father. For your love, thank you, Father, for everything that you're pouring out. What a wonderful Thanksgiving that we've had. Father, we just praise you. Lord, we just ask right now that your heart would be poured out, that we would see it, that we would know it, that we would receive it. Lord, let our hearts be ready to receive the seed of your word to produce fruit in you. We praise you and we love you, Lord, and we thank you so much for everything that you're doing. Lord, we need to grow in every area, not just our favorite areas. We need to grow in every area. Lord, if it's something that you have talked about, written about, moved in, worked in, if it's something that you have ever given any time to or priority or esteem, we need to esteem it just the same way that you did. And Lord, we receive that right now. We receive every word that you have for us, whether our flesh likes it or not. Lord, we thank you. Let our hearts be prepared to receive the fullness of the seed of your word, not just the parts that we like. And I just thank you for it, Lord. Praise you for it. Thank you, Father. We just give you the glory. Amen. Amen. Barrett? morning the microphone keeps getting caught on my hair so i apologize ahead of time so how is everyone ah you're not awake yet try again how is everyone ah you're kind of getting there so as brian said we're back on the andrew womack lessons and i've known for weeks that i was teaching this one and as I said last time, it's always really interesting to me which lessons I end up getting so that I end up teaching them because it's always the one that God's working on me in, like especially at that moment. So when I brought this back up this week to review the notes again, it was like a big kick in the pants. But it's, it's awesome. Whenever God is teaching you and instructing you, it's such a good thing. And so I just, I just pray that it translates the same and that it speaks to you too because it's huge. Now, before I kind of get into the lesson, I want to make sure that we all understand just a couple things right up front. When it talks about forgiveness and, and what that means, it's important that we're viewing it through a spiritual lens, not a natural lens. When, when forgiveness is brought up, it's typically because someone has upset you. It's typically because someone's done something and it's pricked your flesh and you've gotten mad and whether they're right, they're wrong, you're right, wh whichever way it turns, it's typically an offense against your flesh, more or less. Sometimes it can be spiritual, but the majority of the time it's against your flesh, what you're feeling, how your emotions are acting toward it. And what's important to keep in mind is Ephesians 6:12, and if you'll throw that up there, J.D., it says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. 
So what's important to keep in mind as we're going into this topic is anytime you felt offended, anytime you felt the temptation to not forgive someone, it's not because that person has caused that reaction. It's because a spiritual force is stirring stuff up. So if Abigail came up here and just completely like blessed me up and down and told me I was this and that and was really mean to me, well, that's not Abigail talking. It's a spiritual force that's within her saying something against God, saying something that's not godliness. So rather than view it as a, a person who's offending you, we need to start viewing it as this is a spiritual thing that's happening and it's not God. And if it's not God, it's Satan. So rather than battling back in that same way, we need to make sure that we're battling back properly. We're not going against someone. We're handling the spiritual root through prayer. And so that's something that's really important to keep in mind as we go into this. So it starts off with Matthew 18:21 and 22. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. And Andrew Romack says, I think Peter thought he was being very generous to ask how many times he should forgive someone who sinned against him. Seven times in a day, you think? Like, that sounds pretty reasonable. And Jesus said, Peter, not seven, but 70 times seven. That's 490 times. And it's not saying that you forgive someone 490 times, and then when Deb upsets me that 491st time, I can let her have it. He gave a number that was kind of impossible to have happen to you. Like 490 things going wrong in the course of one day and one thing. Like if George upsets me 490 times, he is, he's, he's doing something that day. And the reason that he gave that is because it's kind of an impossible number of offenses to have one person offend you with over the course of one day. But he's using it in kind of like a hyperbolic sense. It's not just 490. It's you keep going. You keep offering forgiveness. You keep that happening. Because he's, he was saying that forgiveness should be continual. That it should go on and on and on. Forgiveness should be the real attitude of a Christian. Jesus said in Luke 23, 34, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Also, Stephen the martyr in Acts 7, 60 said, Lay not this sin to their charge. And see, not all people are going to receive forgiveness. They're not always going to want forgiveness, but it's our job to offer it. See, I, in my life, I know that there have been times where I have offended someone and I haven't cared if they've forgiven me or not, pre-Jesus. I, I would do something, I'm like, I don't care if you forgive me or not. Felt really good to do it. I don't care if you're mad at me or not, whatever. But as the Christian as the person who's following the Lord, it's always our job to offer forgiveness, even if they seem like they don't care, even if they seem like they don't want it. Our job is to be like, I forgive you anyway. I don't care if you're looking for my forgiveness. I'm going to forgive you anyway. And there are spiritual reasons for that. Jesus tells a parable about forgiveness when he continues in verse 23 of Matthew 18. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he had begun to settle them, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. 
But since he did not have the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, along with his wife and children, and all that he had, and repayment to be made. And then in verse 26... So the slave fell to the ground and prostrated himself before him, saying, have patience with me and I will repay you everything. Now here's the situation. There is a man who actually owes $10 million. Uh, Andrew Womack did the math and basically from that time to this time, it was basically an account of $10 million that this slave owed to his master. And there was no way that he could pay it. He knows that he can't. His master knows that he can't. And in those days, you couldn't claim bankruptcy like you can in the United States. They would sell you, they'd sell your wife, they'd sell your children, and everything that you had, and then you'd go into slavery. You'd be sent to prison, and you would stay there until you could pay it back, and if you couldn't pay it back, you would die in prison. There was no real mercy that was going on in those times. The man did the, the only thing that he knew to do. He got down on his knees, and he cried for mercy. And in, in uh, verse 27, uh, basically the guy was like, oh, master, please be patient with me. Please, I beg you, I'll repay you everything. Just be patient. And as we see, the Lord of that slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. It says that the master was moved with compassion for the slave and he forgave him. We had a debt that we couldn't pay. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death, separation from God for eternity, and all the silver and all the gold in the world couldn't redeem us. There's no way that we could buy ourselves out of what, what sort of debt we owed. And then God in his compassion, just like the master, and in his grace, he sent his son Jesus Christ to earth to pay the debt that we couldn't pay. He looked upon us in his compassion and mercy and said, I forgive you that debt. And see, here's the thing with us, and, and this is the part that really struck me. We're, we're exactly, exactly in that sort, same sort of situation. We owed an unforgivable, in, in, world, in the world's eyes, an unforgivable amount. That's what we owed to God. And God saw that there was no way that we could fix it ourselves, that there's no way that we could pay it ourselves. And he's like, I forgive you. And not only did he forgive us, but he gave us everything that he had. He was that master, but just in a grander form. And this lesson continues. This man who had just been forgiven $10 million would, was owed something like 20 bucks by a fellow servant. He found him and said, I've just been forgiven $10 million, and what is $20 to me? I want you to be as free as I am. Just let it go cool for I've been forgiven ten million dollars and that's a great story right except it didn't happen at all and that was completely fictitious because what happened is if you'll continue in verse 28 through 31 but that slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii basically twenty dollars in our language he seized him and began to choke him saying Pay back what you owe. But he was unwilling and went, and went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what was owed. So when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported to their Lord all that had happened. And that's what we do. 
this alone could, could be the entire lesson. We could stop right here because this is a picture of the church and this is a picture of each and every single one of us when we are not walking the way that God has asked us to. See, we've been forgiven this huge debt. We've been forgiven everything. We have life with Christ. We're one with him. We're unified with him. And we've been forgiven everything and given everything. So if Pastor Brian comes and offends me, my initial reaction shouldn't be, you say you're sorry to me. You fix this right now. It should not be that. Because when we're doing it, it's that sort of crazy to God. It's, look at what you've already been forgiven of. Look at what I've already done for you. And you're going to get mad about that? You're not for- going to forgive him that? Think of what I forgave you. It's okay. Just let it go. I'll work on it. And when we don't, it's that crazy. To people who are loving God and walking in his ways and someone moving in a spirit of unforgiveness, it looks that nuts. $10 million to 20 is nothing. That's like change. But yet any time that we hold on to unforgiveness, that's what we're doing. It's that sort of situation. And see, remember I said at the beginning that we needed to make sure that we're looking at this through spiritual lenses and not just physical lenses. So if we back up a second, yeah, they're talking about money in this sort of situation, but why, why would you ever be in need of forgiveness? Why would you have to forgive someone? It's not because they're offending you. It's because they don't know God. They don't understand his principles. If I do something that offends Pastor Brian, it's not because I'm just looking to offend Pastor Brian. It's because I don't understand Jesus in that particular way. I don't love him that way. I haven't received rhema on that. I don't get his principles. And it's not that I'm a bad person. It's that I don't know him the way that Pastor Brian does. And that's when Pastor Brian gets a choice. He can either forgive me, shower me with the love that Jesus did, that God did, and we can continue to step into grace, or he can latch himself onto that sort of pride and not let grace in. That's what we've been talking about on Wednesdays is that greater grace comes in when we put pride down, when we humble ourselves. And that's where forgiveness comes in. When we humble ourselves, grace can come into the situation. God can interject and his love will make light of bad situations. But when we cling to offenses, when we're like, no, I'm not going to forgive you. That 20 bucks that you owe me from 2002, I'm going to still be mad at you for it. We're going to have fractured family times because I'm not going to hang out with your side of the family because you're a bunch of money grubbing thieves that's what you're doing. You're latching yourself on to pride rather than being willing to let grace go in. And it sounds crazy, but there are families that are fractured for way less than that because they cling on to pride rather than humbling themselves. See, the servant that was forgiven that $10 million, he threw the other man into prison for $20. That's crazy. Verses 32 through 34 say, Then summoning him, his Lord said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? And his Lord, moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed to him. 
This man was then thrown into prison because of the way he treated his fellow servant and thus forfeited his original forgiveness. Jesus said in verse 35, do we have 35 up there? I forget if I told you that one. Okay, I'm just going to read it in the King James. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if from your hearts you don't forgive every single one that trespasses from you. I just totally paraphrase that. But there was a whole bunch of yees and thous in there. So basically what the, my heavenly Father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. Now that sounds really harsh. But we know that the heart of God is love. We know that that's who he is, that's in his character. So I don't want to latch on to this particular part of this verse. But I want us to see that God has offered us this sort of forgiveness. He's offered us eternal forgiveness. And all he asks is that we love the same way that he does. And it's not that we have to be perfect all the time. It's not that we have to nail it each and every single time. He has grace and mercy with us. But it, forgiving others is a really serious thing. It's not just a little thing. It's a humongous topic in the, in the word of God, in kingdom life. My heavenly father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. And that's not saying that God's like, okay, Abby is not forgiving Rachel because Rachel was really mean to her the other day. To the torturers you go. It's not like God's like, okay, you're, you're off. It's not that. It's that God allows it to happen because we have that free will. We have that decision in us. And if we're going to decide to do that, he, he can't protect us from it because it's our decision that he's made. We have that free will. And Andrew Womack, he continues in this lesson. Um, he gives a story, an illustration of something that's happened to him. But as I was praying on it, I really felt like I was... Just like I do with the youth. I'm really straight with the youth when I talk to them and when I preach to them, and I'm going to do the same today. I really felt like there were things in my life that I could talk about instead rather than using this particular story that he's told. Because we just got to the, um, to the topic of being delivered to the torturers. And while I was joking about that, that's a very serious spiritual thing. When we move in pride, when we move in unforgiveness, we're closing out God from that part of our life. We're closing out his mercy, his love, and we're holding on to something that gives Satan a foothold. And now in my life, I've experienced this because unforgiveness and forgiving people is something that has been an opportunity for me to grow in over the years <laughs> um, is the most politically correct way to phrase that. Um, and... I remember that there was, there was a time where I was really upset with, um, with my family. The, um, when I grew up, I was from a home where my parents divorced, and it was not a pretty divorce. It was rather messy. Um, and my dad left. He kind of exited the picture. So while I was growing up, it was me and my mom and my brother. And... I pretty much as close to hated my dad as you could possibly hate someone. I was livid with him. There were things that he did that I'd, I'd, I'd never thought that I would ever be able to forgive him for. I said that to him. I said it to multiple people. I confessed that over myself without understanding that that's what I was doing. And all the while, I, was, I had a relationship with God. I was a summer counselor at different Christian camps that I worked at. I went off to college and I helped lead Bible studies and I would do all this different thing, all these different things in the ministry, but I, 
it was like there was a block. And I would go, and I would see people get moved by the Lord, and I would see and hear different testimonies of things that were happening to people, and it was like I got really jaded. I, I would go, and I'm like, that's super for them. This, this just isn't real at all. And I didn't, I didn't understand much of anything. And I remember, goodness, I started my relationship with God when I was 13. It was probably about seven or eight years later. I was in school, and we had gone to, like, we had a crew sort of campus ministry where um, you would go to different college campuses and have services, and I was at a service, and at this particular service, they were talking about forgiveness, and the fact that if you, and I'm pretty sure that we have the verse in here, it's, uh, will you throw out Mark 11, 25, and 26? They were talking about these particular verses, and they say, whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father who is, he- who is in heaven will also forgive you your transgressions. And 26. But if you, and this was the verse that really gut punched me that day, but if you do not forgive, neither will your Father who is in heaven forgive your transgressions. And at that moment, and this is before I got filled with the Spirit, but at that moment, I heard the Holy Spirit tell me, you need to forgive your dad before you're going to experience anything. And it literally took me a full year because I was like, no, I'm not going to forgive my dad. Have you met my dad? My dad stinks. Like, I'm, no, I'm not doing that. And I left and I was angry and I, I was a really prideful kid and I know that, but I didn't go back to another crew event for the remainder of the year because I was so angry because it had such a foothold in me it had become a part of who I was my name was Barrett Quayley I was 20 years old and I hated my dad that was a part of who I was and the idea of having to forgive him for things that seemed really unforgivable was insane to me but what was also happening simultaneously is that I was strapped in all sorts of bondage. And I was at a point where I couldn't see that the two were connected. I couldn't see that they went hand in hand with one another. I had issues with lust. I had issues with eating disorders. I had issues with all of this stuff that I couldn't break off of me. And I would try and I would go to people and I would ask for help and I would receive help and I thought it would be done. And yet it kept or it kept, that's not a word, it kept sucking me in, and I, cu- I couldn't break it, and it drove me nuts, because I'm like, I know that I don't have to live like this, I know that this isn't a part of me, I know that this, that this isn't real, that this isn't what I'm supposed to be doing, but I didn't know how to fix it, and it was the summer I was living in Missouri at the time, and that summer I heard a call to go back to Maine, and I was super upset because, well, Maine and I are not great friends. But I heard that I was supposed to go back. And one of the first things that the Holy Spirit told me when I went back was that I was supposed to work on my relationships with my family, predominantly my dad. And at that moment, I was so angry. But I'm like, you know what? I've tried everything else. Fine. I will go. I will work on forgiving him. Fine. That's great. And literally, immediately, all done 
eating disorder stuff done, lust stuff done, stuff I had tried since I was 11 years old to stop was done in the course of one decision. Because unforgiveness, when it gets a hold of you, it's such a foothold and it's such a stronghold and you don't even realize it, but you're opening yourself up to God. Because as we talked about earlier this year, you've got to be all in if you're going to keep yourself out of the enemy's hands. And when you choose to keep not forgiving someone, when you choose to walk in unforgiveness, you may give the rest of yourself over to God, but that 2% of you that's not going to forgive, that's 2% of you that's opening itself up. And that 2% can grow, and it can keep growing inside of you. Because if you're not going to give it to God, then that means that Satan has that much room to poke and poke and grow and spread and all of a sudden what was it like an inch in your shoulder is your whole arm and this whole arm is now dedicated to doing the works of satan not because you want it to but because you haven't given it to god and then it spreads it's like a virus almost and this may sound really extreme but it's true it's how unforgiveness works it's a toxin it's a deadliness and see while you would think that God only needs to teach you one thing one time, super doesn't, and it's cool, um, because there have been so many other times since then where I have needed to purpose myself to choose forgiveness, and I haven't always done it. And I'm not going to go into details of stories, but recently there's been, there's a person in my life right now who I have to choose forgiveness with on a daily basis. And there have been times where I have not done it daily. It may be something I choose on a monthly basis. And I'm like, sure, I forgive you. Okay. And then they do stuff and it pokes and it pokes and it pokes. And it's, I've forgiven you 20,000 times. This is really great. I'm super excited to do this again. But when you're, perp when you're forgiving someone that way, I'm not forgiving them that way. I'm complaining about it and moaning about it and talking to my pastors about it, saying, I'll forgive them and it'll be really... Di I'm not believing that I'm going to forgive them. I'm believing I'm mad at them and complaining to Brian and Nicole and George about it, but I'm not believing I'm forgiving them. I'm complaining. But when I've done that, immediately Satan sees that that's a foothold. He sees that it's an opportunity. And all of a sudden, I get more irritated with people. My patience is lower. My fuse is shorter. I go off on people way quicker than I ever would ever because I've allowed that foothold in. And it's almost an immediate, as soon as I see I'm doing it, it's, I haven't gotten my head correct. I haven't purposed myself to forgive this person. I haven't done this. I'm letting Satan in again. And as soon as that happens, it goes away because you're getting rid of that foothold that's there. See, I know for me, when I first started my relationship with God, Brian's talked about it before, that there are really dangerous aspects of following Jesus where you can go into either ditch. You can either stay on the road where you're pretty balanced and you're going to stay balanced, or you can go off onto the ditch of crazy town and focus on one verse and only one verse. And that one verse is going to get you through pretty much anything, but it's not going to be God that you go to. And for me, that one verse was, <laughs> it was Matthew 10:14. And check you out, JD, nicely done. 
Whoever does not receive you nor heeds your words as you go out of that house or city, shake the dust off your feet. And that was my verse. That was my verse that I hung on to, that I clung to. I'm like, you know what? Fine. Rachel can offend me all day long. I'm going to shake the dust off my feet and she can go offending people all she wants to, but I'm going to turn right and we're just going to go and hang out. And see, that's not the heart of God. That's not the heart of God at all. That particular verse is talking about how they're not going to receive someone from their own town. It's talking about how they're not really willing to receive you. It doesn't say that you go and be mad at them. It just says you go shake the dust off your feet. You go one way so that you're not continuing to provoke them, so that you're not continuing to hurt them. They're not hurting you so someone else can interject the love of God. But it never says that you don't go back. It doesn't say that as God leads that you don't go back. It says that at that time you shake the dust off your feet and you go. And see, for me, I was like, you know what? This is what happens when people offend you. You don't have to hang out with them or talk to them. You can just leave. It's not, yeah, exactly. As Pastor Brian just said, you're not burning the bridge with that person. And I burned so many bridges because I was like, no, I'm hurt. You hurt me. You hurt, and this is how crazy I was. I had no self-esteem, but I'm like, you hurt God, so God's not going to hang out with you now. And, oh, I was so special. But literally, that's, that's what I would think. I'm like, you've offended Jesus. You go hang out with your people. I'm going to go hang out with my people, and it's fine. But that's not the heart of God. And we have to be careful that we don't get into those ditches. See, I remember recently there was something that happened that really hurt me. It, really, it spiritually hurt me. It physically hurt me. It hurt George. It was something that really bothered us. And I know that I talked to Nicole, and she's like, you need to decide for yourself if this is a time to shake the dust off your feet and go your own way, or if, th- or if you're supposed to stay and you're supposed to keep sowing love, if you're supposed to do what Jesus did and continue to love on people even when they were unlovable. And for a season, it's okay to shake the dust off your feet and go. For a season, it's okay. But if God tells you to go back, you go back. We can't close ourselves off to people just because they've hurt us. We can't close ourselves off to people just because it may be easier, because you want to protect yourself. The kingdom of heaven isn't about protecting yourself. It's about loving people in spite of yourself. It's about loving the unlovable, loving people that may do unforgivable things in the world's eyes. But God's already forgiven them. God's already forgiven the people that don't love him. And they just have to choose whether or not they're going to receive it. See, it may be easier for me to not forgive someone. That may be the easy thing to do. It may be easier for me to not have a relationship with them. But that's not God. God offers. God's like, here's my love, take it. Whenever you want it, it's here. It's here for you. And for 13 years, I didn't take it. But when I did take it, he didn't hold those 13 years against me. It was welcome to me. I love you. And when I was still stupid, it was, okay, you've done dumb stuff, but I love you and I don't remember it. That's the heart of God. He doesn't remember the stuff that's happened to him. He purposes himself to forget it. He casts it as far as the east is from the west. That's what our heart needs to be with this stuff. Even if it's not easy, even if it makes us mourn somehow. There's a time to mourn, but there's a time to love. And that time is all the time. You need to purpose yourself to move it away from you so that you can interject God as he tells you to. And I am apparently all done for today.
<laughs> we're going to continue on next week with more forgiving others, but that's what we have for today. And so I'm just going to close this out in prayer. And then as, um, as parking lot people need to go do parking lot stuff, nursery people need to go do nursery, we're going to pray over you and the service for today. So dear Heavenly Father, we just love you so much. And we just thank you. We thank you for such an opportunity. We thank you that we get to come to you, that we get to love you, that we get to be with you, that we get to be your hands and feet. That's huge. That's a huge thing that you've given us, and we do not take it lightly. God, if there is someone in our lives that we need to continue to forgive, that we need to ask to forgive us, God, we just ask that you highlight that person to us. We ask that your Holy Spirit points out each and every single area where we get to interject your love through forgiveness right now. Starting right now, place people in our minds that we need to call. Place people in our minds that we need to shoot Facebook messages to or letters to or whatever means of communication we have so that we can interject your love into their life as well as get more of you and your grace in our God, we love you and we thank you that we get to love you. Father, we just pray over each and every single person that has a place that's serving in the ministry today. If they're in the nursery, we just pray blessings over the nursery. We pray blessings over super kids. We pray blessings over the sanctuary, over the worship, over the speaking, over the teaching, over the preaching. God, we love you and we thank you that your hands and your feet are going to be made manifest in this place today. That love is here starting right now. That the presence of you and your heart is something that is felt as soon as people touch the parking lot lot we love you we thank you we praise you we give you glory in your name amen amen good stuff so here's what i believe the lord wants us to do you know there's uh, the verse even in um, mark 11 it shows us how to believe for things and have the god kind of faith and those things will come to pass when we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth. But then it finishes it up by saying, forgive. In other words, a part of receiving all the things of God is to move in forgiveness. And as much as you feel like you've gotten revelation on forgiveness before, guess what? <laughs> You're going to see it again and again and again because all you've done is you've gotten revelation out of the place that where you were. That doesn't mean that it's all gone. It just means you've given over everything that you can see, if you have yet. But here's what I feel like we're supposed to do, and Barrett, that was awesome, and really heartfelt, which is what we needed. I want you to take this week, and I want you to focus on forgiveness, and I want you to think on it. I want you to meditate on it, esteem it. It was funny at the beginning as I'm praying, I'm like, Lord, why am I praying this way? And it's because we'll hear the word forgiveness. We'll be like, oh, I don't want to hear that. You know, I, I don't need to hear that. No, no, no. This is one of the major things we all need to hear because if we miss out on this, see, if you're, if you're holding anything against anybody, you're outside the will of God. You're outside the will of God. And I want to read this to you. This is Romans chapter 2, verse 1. It says, Therefore you have no excuse, every, every one of you who passes judgment. For in that which you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice 
the same things. In other words, what he's saying is you're guilty of exactly what you got mad at somebody for. Let that hit bottom. You're guilty of exactly the same thing you got mad at somebody for. And we know, verse 2, and we know that judgment of God rightly falls upon those who practice such things. But do you suppose this, O man, when you pass judgment on those who practice such things and do the same yourself that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? So the point here is that we've got to make sure that we don't hold others to standards that we're not even holding ourselves to a lot of times. And even if you are holding yourselves to it, then when you actually hold it against them, you're actually opening up the door for you to be judged of the same. And when you start to realize that, when you really start to get a hold of that, here's what happens. You go, wait a minute. Every time that I hold something against somebody, I just became guilty. And how, much, how guilty do I want to be? It's a good question. How guilty do I want to be? I don't want to be guilty at all. I remember when I first got a hold of that, I was like, man, I forgive you, and I forgive you, and I forgive you. Everybody's forgiven. I don't care what you did. And then guess what? I forgot about that for a while and let it come back. And then I had to get a hold of it again. Matthew 7, 1 says, do not judge so that you will not be judged. In verse 2, for in the way you judged, it will you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. So if you're holding something against somebody, like the slightest little thing, that's your standard of measure. And that's how judgment's coming in your life. And it's not because God's wanting to do it. It's because you're opening the door to the devil like Barrett was saying. You got that every place on your body covered but that one square inch. But you left the door open and man, the devil will exploit it. He, trust me, he knows more about that promise right there than, than most everybody in the uh, kingdom of God does. Because he's just watching for somebody to get upset. Ooh. They just allowed me to judge them the same way they just judge somebody else. That right there, if you get a hold of that, it will set you free. And you'll be finding yourself. Here, here's the response when you realize you start getting it. And it doesn't just come out of your head like, oh, God, I don't want to be judged. It doesn't come from that. It comes from, oh, Lord, I just want to forgive them. I want to bless them. I want to make your heart my heart. And your heart is, you saw that a long time ago, and you forgave it. So this week, I want you to meditate on that. Lord, how am I judging others? What standard am I using with other people? What level of mercy do I want, and what level of mercy am I giving out? And meditate on that, and Barrett will come back and finish that up. But it's just, as we were sitting here, I was like, this is not the end today. And that's why, that's why I interrupted you, Barrett. But this was not the end today. We need to sit here. We need to sit on this for a while. So, Lord, we do thank you so much. 
Thank you for your word that sets us free. We praise you and we love you. And in Jesus' name, Lord, we forgive. We do not judge. We do not pass judgment. We praise you for it. Amen. Amen.